study of the book of the Revelation, we find ourselves in chapter 9, the 5th and the 6th trumpet judgments. If you thought we've seen crazy stuff up until now, get ready for what we're going to see today. This is Pastor Greg, and this is Life 66. Glad you joined us. Get your Bibles if you have them. Turn to Revelation chapter 9. We are going to see some things like we've never seen before in our study. And uh, so I've got, hope you got your paper and your pencil or your notebook in hand. And uh, let's jump in to this amazing, amazing passage. It's fascinating. This was written 2,000 years ago, and yet it seems like as if it could be written today in 2021. Up until now, the judgments that we've seen, the seal judgments and the first uh, four trumpet judgments, have indirectly affected mankind. Uh, the economy has gone bad. There's plagues. There's there's there's, um, I mean, uh, rather uh, famines and things like that. The water is bittered. The grass is burned, but people are not directly judged. Here in the fourth and uh, excuse me, in the fifth and sixth trumpet judgments, uh, man is directly uh, punished for his rebellions. Every single individual that's not sealed by God is going to experience God's wrath personally. At the end of the last uh, section, we, we learned of, of three woes that were about to come, and they are the fifth, the sixth, and the seventh trumpet judgments. Here in chapter 9, we're going to see the fifth and the sixth. Uh, the seventh trumpet judgment doesn't come, or the second, seventh um, revelation from the seventh trumpet doesn't occur uh, until later in, in chapter 11, and we'll get to that in a few episodes. In this one, in this chapter, in, in Trumpet 5 and Trumpet 6, two demon armies are unleashed, uh, one to torment the people so that they want to die and they can't. The other one, just a massive destructive army uh, that kills one-third of the world's population. It's hard to imagine that many people dying in, in one uh, period, but it's going to happen. As our Lord God has said, it's going to happen. This is a picture of what it's going to be, what the world will look like when God lifts his hand. See, right now, his Holy Spirit is still on the earth, and his hand has, has uh, acted like a, like, almost like a force field, keeping the powers of Satan and the demonic forces at bay, limiting what they can do. But there'll be a day, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 speaks of this, um, where God will lift his hand. There'll be nothing left to hold him back. And then all of the vileness, all of the evil and viciousness that is Satan himself will be turned loose on the earth as a, a judgment from God. Basically, God's saying, you don't want me? You've not wanted to worship me? You wanted to worship devils and other gods and yourself and your own pleasures? Okay, you're going to get what you want, and it's not a pretty picture. Chapter 9 is, is a difficult chapter. It's not difficult because of its content. It's difficult because of its believability. Like, how could these things really occur? What are these supernatural creatures? Uh, why don't people repent when these uh, amazingly um, just horrible things happen? Well, we're going to see that in this chapter. For some background, do some study in Joel chapter 2, verse 1 to 10 in the Old Testament, and that'd be helpful to you. I'm going to take some time because of this, the fantastic nature of these, just to read the passage of each of the um, judgments 
uh, before we talk about them. So in chapter 9, verse 1, it reads through verse 12. Follow along with me. The fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. When he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. The sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. And out of the smoke, locusts came down upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. The locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads, they wore something like crowns of gold, and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair, and their teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of of iron, and the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. They had tails and stings like scorpions, and in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. They They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in the Greek, Apollyon. The first woe is past, two other woes are yet to come. Let's look at this first one. This is the fifth trumpet judgment, and it starts with a star. The fifth trumpet sounds, and John, the uh, receiver of the vision of the revelation, sees a star that had fallen from heaven, and when he falls, he's given the key to the abyss. Now, who is this star? Is it an angel that's given the key to open the abyss? Is it Satan himself? that is given the key. It's important to know that this angel doesn't own the key nor possesses the key, but is given the keys, given some authority uh, to, um, to release this horror upon the earth. We see in Luke chapter 10, Isaiah 14, that Satan is seen as a fallen star. So this very well could be Satan. Of course, we never try to make opinions or rather um, uh, create his teach as fact anything that the Bible doesn't tell us is fact. So we'll leave it as a possibility that it's an angel, um, a, a good angel, or it's, it's Satan who's given this key. Revelation 1.18 says, Jesus hold the, holds the keys to death and to Hades. So it's Jesus who's giving this authority uh, to this star who was either an angel or Satan himself. And he's given the key to the abyss. The abyss is the underworld bottomless pit. 30 times in the Old Testament, nine times in the New Testament, and seven times in the Revelation, the abyss is spoken of. There's, there are three levels of existence that we consume by what we read in Scripture. Are there more? Maybe, that God hasn't told us about yet. But there's under the earth, the earth, and above the earth. Speaking of the heavenlies, the earth itself where we live, and then this under the earth idea of hell or Hades or that which is below, where the demons uh, and reside, and where they'll be kept uh, in bondage forever and ever. There isn't some secret cavern somewhere uh, that is the abyss. You can't, you know, traipse the earth and look for the opening and find that there's this abyss bored into the earth. No, it's a spiritual existence, but it's very we- real. Just like heaven is a spiritual existence, uh, not physical with you know dirt and 
and trees and oxygen and so on, but it's very, very real. And this abyss is the abode of lost souls. It's the demonic dwelling. Just some um, references uh, throughout scripture that speaks of the abyss. It's where the beast arises, Revelation eleven seventeen, where Satan is bound and cast for a thousand years, Revelation 20. It's a prison for angels that sinned, Luke 8, 2 Peter 2, Jude 6. It's a realm of the dead, Romans 10. A place of torment by fire, Luke 16. A prison for angels that sinned, Luke 18. Um, in that particular one, uh, it speaks of where Jesus was recognized and, and the demons knew their destiny and they're intelligent. And, uh, but they begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss. And Jesus agrees in this weird, very strange picture. He sends them into pigs instead, and all the pigs uh, basically commit suicide. They run into the Sea of Galilee, and they all die. Um, and then, uh, in, in, the, in the present, it appears to be the home of, of a host of demons or some kind of demonic power. When this abyss is, abyss is opened, smoke like a giant furnace. Think, think of a, a huge fire that's been kept capped uh, by some kind of a lid. And when the lid is released, this just smoke arises from it. That's the picture we get when, when the, the doors are opened of the abyss and, uh, and this, this demonic pressure and power uh, is released. When it does, the sun and the sky is darkened. Well, what is this cloud? What comes out of the abyss? Luke or uh, Revelation three um, nine three to eleven gives us the description. It's it's this uh, locust like cloud that comes out. Um, they, these locusts that that are horse like. It says billows of smoke. Uh, uh, these locusts look like this as the, uh, the abyss is opened. Remember back the locust plagues of Exodus chapter ten, and uh, the eighth plague, and in Joel one and in Joel two four to ten. Now realize these are not real locusts, for Revelation nine eleven says they have a king. Proverbs twenty twenty seven says locusts have no king. This is a demonic plague, and the only way that John the Revelator can describe them is as as locusts, and they're given power like scorpions. These locusts. But they're not fatal, but very painful. It says that they sting like the sting of a scorpion and that when uh, the people of the earth get stung by this, that they're tormented and tortured for five months, so much so that they want to die, but people aren't going to be able to die. It's interesting that the locusts are told uh, not to harm the green grass. Remember, before uh, the green grass was destroyed, but grass grows back, and apparently there's been some time in between. And so uh, grass grows back, and what locusts usually do is go eat up all the grass. But they're commanded to do the opposite of their nature. They don't touch the grass. Instead, they torment people. But they're not able to torment the sealed, those from Romans cha- Revelation chapter 7 that have been sealed by God's God's seal. Those are safe from the wrath of God. Remember, the wrath of God never falls upon anyone who's been covered by Jesus' blood. That wrath has already been taken care of. It fell upon Jesus himself, no longer to come again. So those of us that are saved, or those people that are saved, rather, during this time, will not suffer this wrath, only those who did not. It's fascinating to me that these people will seek death, 
but God won't let them die. He's going to keep them alive to, to suffer this as a judgment. And we're going to find out a little bit about what this judgment means, and that might bring some clarity here. Well, there's some descriptions of these locusts. We actually get a little bit of a picture of what they look like. And, and the locusts is it look like horses. It's interesting. In the German language, uh, the word for locust is hay horse. Uh, like, you know, hay, that horse would eat. Uh, a hay horse. In Italian, the, the word locust means little horse. So I've never looked at a locust under a microscope to see what they really look like, but apparently they have this resemblance. Um, but they wear something like crowns of gold. And listen to this. Their faces resemble human faces with long hair like women's hair, but with teeth like lion's teeth and breastplates like iron. And the sound of their wings like thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle with tails uh, that sting like scorpions. That's a fascinating description. And this is where it gets crazy because a lot of, uh, of commentators and teachers want to say, well, this is what this means. You know, this is the sound of their wings like thundering. Those are obviously helicopters or their jets or their tanks or, you know, something. And they want to place a, a you know, a human um, equivalent to the to this locust horde. Um, you know, who knows what it's going to look like in the future. I'm never the guy that says this is what this is exactly. We're, we're going to see it at some point, either uh, suffering in it or watching it from a, from a distance. Um, but these are, remember, this is demonic. The locusts come out of the abyss. This doesn't appear to be men who have formed an army and therefore they're, you know, the, the thundering sounds like helicopters and tanks. Um, that this is a demonic thing that's going on here that God is allowing to happen to the peoples of the earth. It says just before the close of, of the first, of the fifth trumpet uh, description, it says they have a king over them. Proverbs 30, 27, remember, the locusts have no king, but these locusts have a king, and he's Satan himself. He has His name is described, Abaddon, which means destruction, uh, the Old Testament Hebrew, and Apollyon, the Greek equivalent meaning destroyer. John 10.10 10 gives us clear evidence there that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The king of the locusts is the destroyer. Satan is finally allowed to have reign. Now, many think he's allowed to have reign because the church has been raptured. It's a very interesting theory, one that I think you can find a lot of credence for, that when the church is raptured, the Holy Spirit indwells the church. And when the, the church is removed, then Satan can have free reign uh, except for these 144,000 sealed that are still on the earth. We'll have to wait and see uh, exactly how that's all going to play out. But we know that, that Christians will not suffer the wrath. After, after this horde of torturing locusts fill the earth and for five months just torment people, we come to the sixth trumpet judgment or the second woe in verse 13 to 21. And let me read those verses for you. Verse 12, the first woe is past, two other woes are yet to come. Verse 13, the sixth angel blew his trumpet, and I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It is said, it said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. And the four angels who had 
been kept ready for this very hour and day and month were re- uh, and year were released to kill a third of mankind. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their number. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as sulfur. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions, and out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and sulfur. A third of mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and sulfur that came out of their mouths. The power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflict injury. The rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of their of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that they that cannot hear or talk, or excuse me, hear or walk. Nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. Sixth trumpet judgment is blown. And it brings widespread death, a plague of iron or lion-like horses with serpent tails that kill people with fire and smoke and burning sulfur. Verse 13, it says that there's a voice, the angels and the Euphrates. A voice comes from the horns of the altar in the Holy of Holies. Revelation 6, Revelation 8, 3 to 5 uh, speak of this altar. It's from the prayers of the saints. It's vindication. Uh, from the prayers of the saints. How long, O Lord, are you going to vindicate us? When, O Lord, are you going to judge those? God is answering the prayers of these saints. He's finally going to judge. You know, if, if a Christian ever asks, you know, why are people, why, are, why is evil allowed to exist? Why do evil people get away with, seem to get away with what they're doing? I just tell you, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody gets away. God will always judge, and he'll always judge righteously. But he is patient. He wants all to come to repentance. But there'll be those who refuse, and they'll be judged. The voice calls for the release of the four angels that bound or keep bound at, that are bound at the river Euphrates. This is a specific group of angels. We don't know their, identi- their uh, identification, um, but it's assumed that they are uh, that, that they are possibly evil. Because they are bound, they're not just there, uh, you know, waiting for a certain time. Um, but they're in verse number fourteen that says they are bound at the great river Euphrates. I don't know of any of God's angels that are that are bound up, but these are so very possibly um, they are they are demonic. However, um, again, to to show all options. Uh, it is the godly angels that are used to uh, exact God's will. And uh, he calls upon them to blow trumpets, to um, release certain items in the book of the Revelation, etc. Um, so there's thought on both sides. Because of the nature of the binding, I tend to lean toward that these are you know, powerful demonic forces, but that, that is, there's no way to, to prove that, and nor do I stand on that as, as something very rigid. When they're called upon, they deal with the river Euphrates. Let's, let's talk about the river Euphrates. Euphrates was the eastern boundary of Israel. Genesis 15, 18, Deuteronomy 1, 7, Joshua, 1 Kings, or Joshua 1, 4, 1 Kings 4, 
speak of this eastern boundary of Israel. It was also the eastern boundary of the Roman Empire that hordes of heathen kingdoms inhabited the land east of the Euphrates. Today, east of that is partially um, uh, Iraq, Iran, and uh, some of the great empires of the Middle East. Uh, Persia, uh, back in Jesus' day, the Parthian Empire lived east of the Euphrates. Uh, the invasion of the enemy forces uh, was described as an overflow of this river in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 7. And the Euphrates is kind of seen as a dividing line of what is God's and what is Satan, Satan's. So there seems to be this removal of that dividing line for Satan's hordes to come and sweep into what is God's. The Parthian Empire, I mentioned, lived east of the Euphrates. They were a powerful force and always a threat to the Roman Empire. This is where the Magi came uh, from uh, to see the baby Jesus. Uh, And that's why Herod was so freaked out about it, uh, because there was uh, this this group of Magi that came from the east looking for a new king, and uh, that threatened him in an intense way because of where they had come from, from this uh, Parthian or Persian Empire. Um, the famous horsemen, they were famous horsemen who were experts with the bow from horseback. And that brings us to recall to the, to the uh, time of Nimrod in Genesis 10 and 11. Um, uh, and, and earlier um, in the book of Genesis, these powerful, powerful warriors. Uh, this area east of the Euphrates is, is uh, a place of Satan's original deception. Genesis 2, 14 to 15 and 3, 6 to 7. Uh, speaks of that origin. Um, the dwelling of the first murderer, Cain, in Genesis 4, 8, and 16. Uh, and then Babylon itself, the foundation of idolatry and, and idol worship. Um, this will be the scene of the last battle spoken of in Zechariah 5, 5 to 11. Make sure you do your own study on the river Euphrates and the biblical evidences, or the biblical mentions, rather, of the river Euphrates. It's a fascinating study. Uh, when the angels loose uh, their grip on in this area uh, of the Euphrates. They do so at a specific hour, day, month, and year. God has a very specific timeline and a very specific plan. And at this moment, these angels release uh, this great army uh, in his time. They have no freedom to act as they want, only as God designates. They only get to to torment and and do what they do when God says so. And they are the result of God lifting his hand, as I've mentioned before, and giving people exactly what they want. You want to be free from the absolute rule of God? You want to be free from uh, God's uh, direction and guidance and kingship? Okay, then you're going to have it. And when that happens, people, they wish it never happened, but they're still not going to worship, and we're going to get to that in a minute. This army that is released when these four bound angels uh, release their grip are given power to kill one-third uh, one of the earth's population with an army of 200 million. Now think about it. We have a population on earth right now that is just under 8 million. About one-third of that is about, what, 2.6 million maybe, 2.7 million, or billion rather, 2.7 billion people. That's about nine United States of America. We have about 330 million. 
uh, in the United States right now. The population of, of nine United States will be killed at this time by this vast army. Now remember, one quarter of the earth population has already been slain back in chapter 6, 7 to 8, and then more die in chapter 8, 9 to 11, along with the ships and the polluted water, etc. So by this time now then, over one half of the earth's population is, is killed because of the judgment of God through the seals and the trumpets. This doesn't appear to be symbolic language. This is a real army. That his description of the army is symbolic, but the the army uh, appears to be very real. Who this army is, who knows? A lot of people want to conjecture um, uh, because of the nation's populations on the earth. I mean, what countries could amass an army of two hundred million? Well, of course, you know, China with its vast population is a thought. Russia is. Um, from the East and maybe a Russia-Chinese uh, alliance, and many even right now in our day and time watching the politics of the communist regimes of China and Russia uh, start to get a little um, wary of, of, a, of a combined uh, army takeover by these nations that could potentially raise an army of 200 million. Um, Christian, you ought not to be worried, though, or fearful. Remember, God is God. And God has, has all power. He always will have all power. So we should not worry. I'm not one, again, to try to identify specifically things that the Word of God doesn't identify. But I'm watchful, as you should also be watchful. Watch the Word of God. Watch the Revelation. Watch the prophets. And then watch what happens in real time on, on the earth. And we won't be blindsided. There'll be clues. And I'm watching very closely uh, the relationship of the earth and the other nations of the earth to China or to Russia. And I watch how they may uh, work together. It's an interesting possibility. The description of this army is found in seven, uh, verse 17 to 19. Um, and the attention is given to the horses, not necessarily the riders, that they have breastplates of fiery red, dark blue, and yellow. And it's unclear as to whether there are Different breastplates, some are red, some are blue, some are yellow, or all the breastplates are red, blue, and yellow. Anyway, those are the colors that are represented there. Um, the heads resemble lions. Their mouths breathe fire and smoke and sulfur, and the people are slain by this fire, smoke, and sulfur. Again, conjecture, but does that mean weapons? Does that mean nuclear weapons? Uh, you know, who knows really what this means? Uh, some want to say it's some kind of nuclear holocaust. Um, regardless of how it happens, one-third of the earth is going to be killed by this army plague. The power of these beasts is in their mouths and in their tails. The, the mouths breathe the fire, smoke, and sulfur, and the power in their tails, uh, they cause death because their tails are like snakes, and they strike people. This chapter closes with a, just a phenomenal couple of verses when it says, even so, the people that were left that did not die, they still did not repent of their idolatries, of their murders, of their thefts, of their sexual, sexual immorality, of their magic arts, etc. The heart of man is incredibly stubborn. And we've witnessed that in our world in the last few years, how it seems like viciousness 
rises. Ungodliness is on the rise. Just given a little bit of a crack uh, of defund the police or um, let's not... um, Let's not judge or, or, or police people that the incredible quickness in which violence rises and the murder rate has risen and the abuses has risen. Man is evil in his heart. And we must pray so diligently that God would have mercy so that more can be saved, lest less hell be more populated than it should be. The, the abortion rates, the child murders, the just the unbelievable death and suffering that we see in our world today. It's nothing like what we're going to see in the times to come, but we can see how the people then will not repent by the fact that today you would think with all of the hardship, with all of the trouble and trial and difficulty in today's world, that people would want to reach out to Jesus and want to find rest, to want to find comfort, Again, I've said this many times already today. I, want, I need to say it again. It's unwise to attribute certain things in prophetic literature to certain things today if God doesn't say that that's what they are. However, we need to be watching the lies of the world. Don't be naive that you just kind of go along with whatever the latest president or the latest uh, political leader says. Don't be blinded so that you'll be gullible. Study your word. Study prophecy. Study today's events, and then with with conviction, make decisions to honor God, serve Him, and resist all that's evil. It's a great chapter, fascinating chapters. Next time we get into chapter ten, uh, with the angel and the little scroll, interesting chapter. Until then, bless you lots. This is Pastor Greg. You are loved, and I pray that you will live by the Life sixty six God sixty six books of the Bible. They'll never fail you. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of our God remains forever. Let's make sure we stay in that. Take care. God bless. Until next time.